You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. Well, hey, good morning again. Welcome to Paradox Church Online, where our motto is the same as it's always been, and now more than ever, come as you are, no perfect people allowed. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox, and wherever you're joining us from this morning, whether you are in your living room, you're a family with us, a friend, or a first-time guest, we just want to say welcome. We've created this experience with you in mind, and we're so glad that you're here with us and excited for everything that God is going to do in the next hour together. Just want to point out those important links right over there in the comments section. Uh, you can click on those for the YouVersion app where you can find Bible references, announcements, and follow along with the message and everything that's going on here at Paradox. You'll also be able to find those links to our after-service virtual cafes where you can connect with some other people. And, of course, you'll be able to find links where you can give and support the mission of Paradox right from your living room. And we're so thankful for that support. It's only because of the generous giving of people like you that Paradox is able to continue to provide help and hope and homes for so many people in this time. So thank you so much for giving. You can take us a moment to do that right now. Thank you again. We appreciate that. Well, we're jumping into week three of our series called Anxious for Nothing this week. And we're going to be talking about the perspective of praise. Now, I don't know about you, but especially in this time when my position has been very, very limited in the last couple couple of days or weeks, um, it seems to me that our position has a lot to do with shaping our perspective. And perspective is really very simple. It's just how you see something. And what, when I comes, what comes to mind for me is, you know, we have, I've got three kids at home, they're little, and any time I go to point something out to them, you know, like, hey, look at that, do you see it? Do you see it over there? Maybe it's a deer or something. Inevitably, they will not be able to see it. Now, this is one of the most frustrating moments for a parent, uh, really and truly, because there's nothing more frustrating uh, and potentially relationship damaging than trying to point something out to a kid that cannot see something, right? Like you're pointing and you're pointing, it's over there. And then you have to get down on your knees, which at my age is never a good thing. Uh, But you get down on your knees and you're doing everything you can. You're one eyeing it, right? Just trying to get your finger to point exactly in line with their eyes. Why? Because our position has this way of shaping our perspective on things, And we're going to unpack that a little bit here today, because today is Palm Sunday. And if you've heard the story before, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, uh, Palm Sunday is the day when Christians have celebrated, traditionally, uh, the day when Jesus rides into Jerusalem, and it's called the Triumphal Entry. It's a big party going on. Jesus has fans and followers. Everyone has come to meet him, and they're, they're shouting, they're screaming, they're laying things down in the road before him, and they are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord They're ready to hail Jesus as this new king. And that word that I said there, Hosanna, right? It's a new one. But what basically it meant was it was a shout of praise, a a cry, an exclamation saying, save us. 
rescue us. And the Israelite people had been under oppression. They had a foreign government, Rome, uh, ruling over them. And Jesus was their hope. And they celebrated and they were praising, saying, Jesus, you're the one. You're the one that's come to fix things. We're focused on you and we're praising you. And it was a huge party. Spirits were high. People were happy. There was praise going on. It was a, it was a church service, let me tell you. But by the end of that same very week, this week that we're entering into, called Holy Week, that same crowd that was once shouting praises, shouting out, save us, rescue us, would change to shouts of crucify him, crucify him. His friends would desert him. He wouldn't have fans, followers anymore. The crowds would turn his back on him and he would be all alone in a very different position all of a sudden. And what it reminds me of is just how easy it is for us to, to praise God when things are good, when peace is certain, when it looks like Jesus has come to fix things for us, right? That's when you hear people say things like, God is good all the time. Yep, all the time, God is good, right? And it's true. But there are other times when we have to wonder if it really is true. Is God good all the time? What about those difficult times in life? What about times like right now? Is it good now, today, in the middle of all of this? Do we praise him then? Could we? Should we praise him then? We've been reading in uh, Philippians 4, and I want to focus in on this one verse today. As we talk about uh, our perspective, a perspective of praise. Philippians 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say Rejoice. Now, there are certain words that have the potential to irritate us like none other. Um, sometimes you get into arguments with people over them. Words like never or only or always. Because very few people do things always, right? But here the Bible tells us to rejoice in God always, all the time. Really? I mean, that sounds good on a greeting card or, or a coffee mug, right? But how are we supposed to really rejoice in the Lord Always. What about when we're isolated? What about when we're alone? What if we feel more alone than ever? Some of us are feeling that this week. What about the times when we're disappointed? School has been canceled. Plans don't look like they're going to shape out like we thought that they would. Things don't turn out the way that we wanted them to. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's plans that we, that we had, vacations that were planned, or certain special events, a wedding, a graduation. What about sickness? As so many of us are, are beginning to be affected by this COVID-19 pan pandemic. Others have found out maybe that they have an unrelated sickness, cancer, or that a, a loved one is struggling with a sickness or a addiction or a disease. Is God good then? Can we praise him and rejoice even then? What about when things are uncertain? When finances are uncertain? When the future is so uncertain? What's interesting to me about this thing that Paul writes in Philippians is that he writes it from prison. It's not in one of those times when things are good. It's actually in a time when things are very, very bad. And it's natural for us, right, to not respond with praise or rejoicing in times like that. 
It's, it's natural for our position to shape our perspective as human beings. But see, our focus is always going to shape our future. What we dwell on has the potential to determine our direction in this life. And if that's true, then we have to be really, really careful about our position and our perspective. Because what naturally happens in my life is that I have a tendency to look down first. Look down, right? We, something happens, things don't turn out, and my head goes down and I start having a pity party. I start pouting about my life, my problems, my pain. And when we look down, that's where our focus goes, on pain. And so many times when that is where our perspective is, down, we end up feeling depressed. We end up feeling hopeless about our situation, our life, what's going on. Some of us don't look down into, into our pain. Some of us have a tendency to look around us at our problems, right? And that's when stress starts to creep in, anxiety. We begin to feel overwhelmed because we look at all of the problems around us and they feel so big and overwhelming. When our perspective is looking down or around, we end up feeling depressed, stressed out, anxious. But what about when our perspective is to look up? What if today we said we want to get a new perspective? Just like Philippians 4 says in, in later verses, that is when, when we look up, when we rejoice in the Lord always, when we present our request to him, that is actually when we find peace, peace from God that transcends all understanding. There's one verse that's actually really come to mean a lot to me, and it's found in Psalm 121, and it says this, I lift my eyes up to the hills. I lift my eyes up. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Today, we're going to be talking about that. We can't always change our position, but we can change our perspective. And that's what I want to invite us to do today. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your words in Hebrews 12, where it says that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us as we look to you, as we fix our eyes on you, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Father, I pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on you, to look up, to look to you. And as we do it, God, would you give us endurance? Would you give us strength? Would you fill us with your peace? And Father, would you even bring joy? I pray that over everyone hearing my voice today, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's change our perspective. So how do we keep a perspective of praise no matter what place we're in? Well, today I want to tell you a story of a guy named Paul. He's the very same Paul that wrote this, uh, this book called Philippians in the Bible and a whole lot of other letters all throughout the New Testament. As he went around doing his mission work uh, all throughout Europe and Asia, um, he had some friends, he, one in particular whose name was Silas. And in the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, chapter 16, their story picks up. Now, Paul and Silas are going around healing people teaching, preaching the word of, of Jesus about his life, death, resurrection. And as they're doing it, this thing called the kingdom of God is coming. Now, the kingdom of God is really God's presence. And where God's presence is, there's goodness, life, joy, peace, healing, 
And that is exactly what Paul and Silas are going around preaching and bringing as they visit town after town. Now, in one town in particular, they come across this girl who is possessed by a demon. And she's being used, abused by people to make money. She's doing things like fortune telling. And uh, she's not in a good situation. Not at all. Uh, in fact, she's a slave. And so Paul and Silas actually heal her of this demon possession. And she becomes free. She's offered new life. Things are looking up for her. Now, of course, there's another kingdom at work here. And people are not very happy when this happens. It's especially not her owner's. And so they go around and they say, hey, Paul and Silas are ruining our economy. Uh, things aren't going really well. We want them out of here. And they get the crowds in an uproar over Paul and Silas, and they come out angry. They beat them, and they drag them into prison. And that is where our story picks up in Acts chapter 16. It's the place that Paul and Silas find themselves. It's the place that Paul writes so much of this stuff about rejoicing from. He lands in an inner prison, shackled up, hopeless, hated, without a friend in the world, and without any sort of future. It's not necessarily the place of praise. Yet, Paul still is able to praise. What is his secret? How do you get to that place where you're able to be shackled up unfairly, unjustly, left alone for dead, and still be able to praise and rejoice? Well, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, again, verses 11 through 13, when he says this, not that I'm speaking of being in need. There's not anything, right, that he needs in order to be able to praise. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every, any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it jumps out at me, right? If we're going to be content in any and every situation, we are likely going to find ourselves in any and every situation. I've been thinking about this this past week, right? So many of us have had so much of our lives stripped away. We can't go to the normal places. We can't be with the people that we love and are comfortable with. So much of our normal, everyday, comfortable routine is gone. So many of the things that have brought us meaning and identity and, and purpose and joy aren't available to us anymore. And when all of those other things are stripped away, when everything else fades away, I've found myself in this place where I'm going, man, where is my joy? Where is my contentment? Am I okay with this? When all I'm left with is Jesus, am I okay with that? It's praise has this way of changing our perspective because it actually changes our position. No matter where we find ourselves in life or what is there or not there, whatever prison we may even find ourselves in, that is not the place that we have to find ourselves in. What on earth does that mean? Well, Psalm 100 verse 4 puts it this way. It says that we can enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. 
means that we don't have to necessarily be in any certain place or have any certain special circumstances. Things don't need to be good for us to be in God's presence. In fact, we can always enter into his gates, enter into God's presence, and we do it by praise. We don't have to be defined. Our identity, our mood, our hope does not have to be defined by our surroundings or our circumstance. Why? Because no matter where we are, we can be in God's presence. That's what's available to us when we shift our perspective to a perspective of praise. Our place actually changes because no matter where we are, we can be with him. So I want to invite you again. Let's shift our perspective. You know, when we start to shift our perspective to a perspective of praise, we find ourselves in the presence of God, but we also find that that is a place that brings God's power. No matter where we are, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, we can experience God's power in a very real way when we shift to a perspective of praise. The story continues in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. And it goes like this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the earth were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Imagine the scene, right? Instead of pouting, instead of looking at the problems all around them, Paul and Silas are chained up in a prison with guards watching at midnight. Tired, beaten, hurting, alone, disappointed, hopeless. And they're praising God. And in the midst of that, something happens. God moves. His power comes into that circumstance and sets people free. Brings hope again, right? In the middle of of, of uncertain surroundings, in the middle of a prison, God's people praise him and it brings his power into their circumstance. But I love this part, right? It's so difficult because often praise is the last thing that we want to do, especially when we find ourselves in a prison-like circumstance, like many of us find ourselves in right now. But when we take the step of praise first, God meets us in that step and does something with it. He multiplies it. It's like he blesses it and says, yes, now you're in my presence and now my power can enter into your place. You know, just this past week, I kind of get a, get, well, um, I'm a little bit spur of the moment when it comes to our, uh, our at home projects and things. So, um, I literally took a shower and I'm looking around during it going, I'm so sick of our shower. I'm tired of this bathroom. It has been, I kid you not, right? I, I thought that I haven't painted it. Like it's, it's orange and blue right now, which is a weird combination for our our bathroom. I thought it's been maybe a few months since I just like last got the bug and kind of threw a little bit of, of blue paint up over the orange. And it's, it's looked awful, right? And it's always been the next thing on my to-do list. But I looked at old pictures yesterday and our, our daughter's first bath, which is now almost five years ago, right? 
uh, has the same awful paint in our bathroom. So five years have gone by from, since the last time that I just got the renovation bug and started doing something. And so I'm looking around, I'm in the shower, and I'm like, oh, this is awful, right? We've been busy, but something has to be done. So I walk in, over into our room and I say, Gwen, my wife, uh, hey, what do you think if I tear out the old shower? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna completely redo this whole thing. I kid you not, she looks right at me and goes, no. That was it. That was it. We were done, except we weren't done. Because I I don't know how I do it, but I said, oh, it's going to be less than $100. I could probably finish it up today. Wrong and lies. All right. That's not what happened at all. Very quickly, I got in a little over my head. And then, you know, the, the kids want to paint my nails and, and, and stuff. Well, some of you saw the disaster that followed on, on Facebook over the course of the last week. But taking that one step, even as ill-advised and foolish as it might have been, seemed to have done something. Because even in taking that step and posting my foolishness for all to see, I found help in some pretty amazing ways. But it was only in taking that one step that I was able to find help from people here at the church and, and ideas and resources, right, that was able to produce something so much greater than anything I could have been, a, been able to do on my own. But it only happened because I took that first step. It's amazing how God can meet us in our steps of praise but we have to take them first. And we miss it so many times when we don't praise. I know it's not natural. I know it's hard to do, especially when circumstances look dark and things look bleak and hopeless. But God wants to do something in you first before he does something around you. In us first. It's, it's almost like the destruction, the demolition of things. That is the place where God is actually doing a work of renovation inside of us. I'm, I'm doing a lot of soul searching in this time, right? In this time where, where there's demolition happening. Things are being stripped down. In a lot of ways, the walls of my heart are being laid open, bare. I'm seeing things that I haven't seen in a long time we often want to avoid that place, but it is in that place when we praise God that we actually begin to see the work of renovation that God is doing in the demolition. You know, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 to 14 puts it this way when it says, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, that's disease. If my people who are called by my name... If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, say, hey, it's not all about me, not all about my comfort and what I want all the time. If we humble ourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from our wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. There is something about our prayers, our praise that moves the heart of God. That's why this house of prayer thing that we're, we've been doing has been so important, especially in this time. We had no idea when we started planning this just how important and just how timely it would be. 
But we want to invite you starting tomorrow and all week long leading up to Easter, we are going to be praying every single day. I want to invite you to make your house a house of prayer as you go on to our website, paradoxchurch.com forward slash house of prayer, and you will be able to sign up for a slot and spend an hour in prayer and praise, maybe together with your family, maybe for the first time ever. If you've never done something like that, we've got all kinds of great resources for you to help you uh, because it really is a lot easier than you might think, but it's so much more important than you would ever think. Our prayers move the heart of God and bring the power of God, but we have to shift our perspective to praise first. You know, I want to go back to a couple of those verses that we just read in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Notice that. Paul and Silas were singing and praying. But suddenly, there's this great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Here Paul and Silas are singing and praying, and everyone else, all the other prisoners that are around them, are simply listening. But simply by being in the presence of Paul and Silas, who were in the presence of God, who are praising and experiencing the power of God, they are impacted as well. I wanted to come out here to the cafe where so many of us come to be around other people on a weekly basis. It's one of the places and the things that I'm missing the most right now in this time of social distance between us. But it, it reminds me of perhaps at, at no greater time than this, right? I think in, in the midst of all of this COVID-19 stuff, perhaps at no other time have we ever been more aware of the impact that we have on the people around us? It's so true. There's people that are simply listening. They're around people with a perspective of praise, and they are actually set free. Why? Because simply from being around them. There's this phrase that we often use, and it's, it's about being a thermostat instead of a thermometer. Now, the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer, you probably know it. I don't have to tell you, right? Uh, a thermostat is something that sets the temperature. A thermometer merely reflects it. What I love about Paul and Silas is that they have a perspective of praise, and in doing so, they set the temperature for the room that they were in and the people that were around them. I want to ask you, your perspective right now, as you're going through perhaps some of the hardest challenges of your entire life, what is your perspective? And what is the impact that that is having on the people around you? You have the opportunity to set people free and bring hope or to reflect the culture, the temperature of those around you, and in doing so, not see any of the presence or power of God. I want to challenge us all to be thermostats of praise in whatever situation, whatever place we're in. But it's going to require, again, that we shift our perspective one more time. Now, I wanted to come down here just before we exit the doors of our church to finish out this message, mostly because of the sign that's behind me. Don't just go to church. Be the church. It's one of our isms, things that make us us around here at Paradox. And this might be a time when this is more true than ever. Starting this Easter and 
in the weeks come, to come. We are going to be launching into a series called Outside of the Box, and it is all about this. Not just going to church, but what if this time was our opportunity to get outside of the box and be the church? You know, when we take on a perspective of praise, not only do we get to enjoy God's presence in our life and see his power at work in our circumstance and the people around us start to experience the same thing, but we get to see God's purposes accomplished in our lives, in our families, in our church, and in the world. I just want to ask you, what if that's what this time is really about? What if the reason that Paul and Silas were in prison was because God had some purposes that he wanted to accomplish. The story continues in Acts chapter 16, where it says that the jailer sees everything that has happened and his life is on the line and he pulls out his sword and he goes to end his own life. But in verse 28, Paul cries out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Paul and Silas had a perfect opportunity. God set them free. And they could have used their freedom to walk out into their own comfort, into their own lives, back to normal once again. But they weren't quite that fast to jump into that. They were attuned to God's purposes. The jailer, in verse 29, calls for the lights and rushes in. And trembling with fear, he falls down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said this in verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God. When we rejoice in God, oftentimes it doesn't just influence the people around us, but God's purposes are accomplished. People come to know Jesus. We have the opportunity to wash our neighbor's wounds to help and ultimately bring joy to other people too. But we don't get that when we refuse to rejoice in all circumstances, right? That's why it's so important. We've been starting out every single one of our meetings as a staff here at Paradox in this time with thanksgiving and praise because God is doing so much. And we lose sight of that, especially in times like this, right? It's amazing to see the ways that God is drawing teams and people and small groups together using Hangouts, using Zoom, all of these ways that we never would have guessed before, but God is creating community like never before. People are starting to step into relationships where they're being discipled and and they're starting to follow Jesus and uh, on a daily basis this week. And it's amazing to see, we've even heard stories of people being cured of cancer in this time. And all of it makes my heart excited. And I want to go, God, as much as I want to go back to normal, Would you not end this until your purposes are accomplished? What do you want to do in me in this time? What do you want to do in our family in this time? How do you want to bring us back together and refocus us on you or each other and away from TV, away from Tiger King, away from my phone? God, what are your purposes for us as a church? What are your purposes for my neighbors, my neighborhood, my extended family, for my work, the world? 
How can I reach out and be a blessing? How can we see people come into a relationship with you in this time? What if this was not all about us? What if in rejoicing, what if in maintaining a perspective of praise, we actually have the opportunity to love and serve our neighbors, one another, and see people come into a relationship with Jesus? If you're watching us for the first time, maybe that this is the reason. You never would have darkened the doors of a church, and we're so glad that all of this is going on because it brought you here today. And I just want to share with you that John 3.16 says that God loved you so much. Yes, you, right as you are, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your addiction, in the middle of your sin. Every single one of us has stories like that, and God loves us in it. And because he loves you in it, you don't have to fix everything up in your life. No, he sends Jesus into our world for each one of us to be the sacrifice, to pay the price. Romans says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then it goes on to say that if anyone believes in his heart and confesses with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the one that's able to save and clean up the messiness and brokenness of our lives, to take away all of our fear and anxiety in our sin, then we can be saved too. We get saved from it. We get set free from the bondage of anxiety and stress. And we get to be in the presence of God, not only now, but forever. I'm going to close our time together with that. By inviting you to pray with one of us. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, but I'm also going to invite you to text one of the people that are waiting to pray with you, for you, together, uh, and the number on our screen right now. I'd love to pray with you and see you set free from whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever prison problems or pain you have going on right now. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus. We even rejoice and thank you in the middle of COVID-19, God, because although there is pain and there are real problems, God, you are good, you are near, and you are accomplishing your good purposes in each one of our lives. I pray, God, that this would be the moment, that we would not let this season pass before we come to you and praise you in the middle of our prisons. Say, Jesus, thank you for sending, thank you for coming here to earth to die for me, for my sins, so that I wouldn't have to be separated, so that I wouldn't have to be a slave to all these things anymore. But you set me free. I accept that. I believe it. And I praise you for it. I give my life to seeing your kingdom come and your will be done in our neighborhoods and in our homes and in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.